You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show continues. I'm Patrick DeMar. Alex Brody along with me. Final hour of the show. Big win for the Calgary Flames last night, 7-2. And uh, it wasn't quite a house of horrors yet, but they had gone 0-8-1 before last night. Big two points as uh, they are now three points back of the Winnipeg Jets for that final playoff spot in the Western Conference. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk to Owen Newkirk, the Dallas Stars radio host. The Stars will be the Flames' next opponent. That will be tomorrow night down at the Dome. Uh, Owen, from 96.7, the ticket in Dallas. How are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, Patrick. How are you? Oh, it's awesome. St. Patrick's Day. Cannot complain about that. Uh, it's beautiful weather. <laughs> cannot wait for uh, for the tonight and the weekend for sure. Uh, talk about uh, last night's game uh, up in Edmonton. Uh, obviously, 4-1 defeat. Uh, Connor McDavid hits the 130-point mark. First player since Yarmer Yager back in 96, I believe it is. Uh, talk about that game last night a little bit. Well, let's face it, Connor McDavid is incredible. Yeah. Um, I actually looked it up before the game yesterday. Mario Lemieux also had a pretty good year that year. I think he had 161. Ah, so it might have been Lemieux, so uh, it could have been two Penguins there. I think Yager was at 149. They both ah, passed 130 that okay. year. But either way, uh, look, for the most part in the game, they kept McDavid in check, which is exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the tough part was that the, the Oilers scored first, and – Dallas is a, a sub-500 team when they concede the first goal. They're almost unbeatable when they get the lead. If they get out in front, it really plays to their strengths. I don't know many teams that don't like having the first goal, having the lead. That's sort of obvious. But for whatever reason, this team just thrives with that clean air, you know, to make the sailing reference. But mm-hmm. but in, in the game last night, they, they had a really poor first period, Dallas did. And – you know, got out to a, an okay start, and then it was just the Oilers coming in waves and waves. And the Stars were pretty fortunate that they were only down two after the first period because Jake Ottinger was really strong, made a couple of big-time saves. It could have gotten out of hand. And then in the second period, it completely flipped. And the Stars were everything but goal scorers in that middle period, and that was sort of the difference. The, their power play has been really good. Now, look, Edmonton's power play is ridiculous. They're they're the best in the league. But the Stars are, are in the top ten, and they've been really solid. But they had a couple opportunities. And I have to say, Stuart Skinner was really impressive to me. I thought he was the player of the game. I know that McDavid gets the accolades for passing 130. But I just thought Stuart Skinner was really solid. He made the saves when he had to and kind of frustrated the Stars a bit. They kept coming got that goal from Wyatt Johnson to get it within one. But because of Skinner's play, they couldn't get those, you know, whether it was the power play goal they needed to get back to level. And then McDavid scored. You can't leave Connor McDavid open in the slot (laughs) on the power play. So what are you going to do, right? Yeah, not much you can do with that guy. He's uh, he's pretty much... uh you know, impossible to to defend, and uh, he'll he'll make you look stupid on some nights. But you know, he's doing that to everybody. Uh, obviously, with uh, this is Dallas's first stri- uh, first trip to Calgary since last year's playoffs. The standings are pretty much almost in a reverse of last year. Obviously, the Flames are on the outside looking in, but the Stars looking good. They're in the se- they're in the t- second spot in the Western Conference. What, what have you seen with the Stars overall this season? The new coach and Pete DeBoer, obviously, just uh, to flip from last year and carrying off from that great playoff series with the Flames. 
Well, if you guys recall last year, it was sort of a, we're going to hang on and try to beat you guys because mm-hmm. the clearly the Flames were the more talented offensive team last year. Now, you also had great goaltending a year ago. Markstrom was, was fantastic. And the Stars, remember at the beginning of the season, did not have Jake Ottinger yep. as their starting goaltender. So he had just emerged throughout that season as their eventual number one. This is the first season with Otter as the guy. And, of course, he's been fantastic. So no complaints. But the the roles have been reversed in in my perspective of this year, the Stars are the more offensive team. They added a couple of uh, important pieces, whether it was at the start of the year or at the trade deadline. They're a deeper offensive group. They aren't having the same trouble scoring that they had last year. Last year was Boy, you got to hope that your power play cashes in. Can you keep the other team's offense to two or less? We're going to try to win a, a low-scoring game. This year, Dallas has piled up the goals, and that's been a lot more fun and refreshing. Pete DeBoer's come in with a more offensive-minded system. It does create a little bit of risk at times, but for the most part, it's absolutely worth it to get the, the defense activated and going in an offensive direction. However, lately, the injury bug has suddenly hit, and I, I can't complain. The Stars have been probably the healthiest team in the NHL all season long. Mm-hmm. They didn't even use – now, part of it's because of the salary cap. They were so tight against it all year and trying to conserve. But they didn't use injured reserve until Luke Glendening went down last month. Wow. Which I remember some other teams were like, I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> but now suddenly on this road trip, they lost Tyler Sagan to a, a leg laceration in Buffalo – at the very beginning of that game, he sounds like he's going to be back next week, so it's not as serious as maybe we worried mm-hmm. it might have been. But then Mason Marchment in the second night against uh, the uh, Seattle Kraken and that two-game set in Seattle took a, a pretty innocuous knee-on-knee with, with Vince Dunn. It was two guys going for a play. It wasn't anything dirty about it. It just was unfortunate, and now he's out three to four weeks. So suddenly – when the Stars added Dodonov and Domi at the deadline, it gave them some real depth in their top nine. It's kind of subtracted that depth. It's sort of a push yeah. because now two of those guys on that line, it was Domi, Sagan, and Marchman on that line, and now two of them are gone again. So it's almost as if you go rewind before the deadline. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the, the Max Domi and Evgeny Dadanov uh, acquisitions. Obviously, they're, they're they're brought in for depth pieces, which are getting used right now with the injuries to Sagan and Marchment. But how have they fit in? Obviously, Max Domi can be the center. He can play the wing. And, and Dodonov, he's been scoring pretty well since he got to Dallas as well. Well, Dodonov almost looked like it was a zero-sum or a zero-time transition. Because yeah. he came in and he, they put him on a line with Jamie Benn and Wyatt Johnson, and it was like instant chemistry. It just fit. It was uh, a complimentary piece, a guy that can create offense that is really smart two-way player. Perfect. Put him on. He uh, he went into the bumper position or the heart, depending on your terminology, that centerpiece of, mm-hmm. the, of a power play unit on the second unit, and looked fantastic. Then they went and made the final move for Domi, and he immediately brings a offensive skill, and you can see it. He's, he's a very good player. He can create. He's a playmaker. And I thought that's what they were missing with Marchman and Sagan for much of the year. You know, Tyler Sagan, they've tried all sorts of different combinations, a bunch of players from the AHL roster, and there's been snippets of, oh, that looks okay, but never any sustained kind of look. Unfortunately, 
we only had about two games and about three minutes of the Buffalo game, a glimpse of what could be with Domi and Marchman and Sagan together. So it wasn't even very long. Now it looked fantastic against Colorado when they destroyed the avalanche, the the first game Domi played. So that was a really good start. You score seven against Colorado. You're feeling pretty good. And then they went and scored 10 Buffalo without Sagan because essentially Sagan played a shift or two and then got cut. I think with Domi, it's, look, I'm thrilled he's on the team, but I don't even know if we've seen everything yet because of the sudden injuries, because he, uh, well, let, let's rewind a little bit. That pass in overtime in Seattle was something else. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but he, uh, Domi's in the left-wing corner, and he saucers at about waist height, and it literally drops on the stick of Miro Haskinen at the far post, and he one-time sort of, it was almost a shovel shot. It wasn't wow. even really a, a one-time slapper. And, and goes back across the grain and goes in the net. And, and you just go, okay, look, Ty Domi was known for his toughness. His son is known for his skill, and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I know. When, Matt, when the Flames went up against Max Domi when he was still with Chicago the last couple times, Domi might have been the best player on the ice for the Blackhawks. So I'm for sure going to be keying in on him uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Jake Ottinger, you know, he keeps taking that next step towards, uh, elite tender status. You know, he he signed the bridge deal. It's a good contract right now. He's still young. Uh, I'm sure it's, he's just scratching the surface on what he can be as a goaltender in this league. That's the crazy part, right? He's still in his early to mid twenties. So you, you don't even assume that he's anywhere near his, his peak yet. And he's been one of the better goalies in the league. In fact, uh, he's been one of the best road goalies in the league, which I think really speaks to what his strength is. You know, coming in last year when he started to emerge, I could I kept kind of pinching myself in a similar way I did when Miro Haskinen first joined the AHL roster as a 19-year-old. And you go, think about how young he is. Well, <laughs> with Ottinger, it's think about how young he is. And he shows this. You look, look he's, he's, he's 6'5", he's, so he's got great physical stature. He's athletic. He has all the technique that you'd like to see. But what really stands out about him is his mental fortitude, his ability to not get rattled, to shake off a goal and come back and be just as good and not kind of fall to pieces, which you see so many times from goalies twice his age. And to see his mental strength from that early age just sets him apart in my perspective, just because that's something that's usually learned over years in the NHL. And to see him be that sort of a, that focus that um, there's a, this innate ability that he seems to love to play the villainous role when he's on the road. I think that's one of the reasons why he's been so successful on the road this year is that, you, I mean, I think you have to as a goalie kind of enjoy it when you're in another team's barn and they start yelling your name and, and kind of trying to get under your skin and you just, he's got a smile on his face. He loves yeah. it. And that's, that's the kind of thing you want to see from your goalie is, you're okay being the antagonist. Now, maybe you don't want to see that heel play that you see from Jordan Bennington yeah. every single night. <laughs> On the flip side, I actually think being, as much as I can't stand watching the guy, I think he's great for the league. I think that brings drama oh, and that's sure. good for our sport. And at the same time, Jake Ottinger can play the heel without throwing blockers at guys' faces. I think that's a yep. good thing, too. 
Uh, talked about the captain, Jamie Ben. He's having his best statistical season since 2017-18. Just shed some light on it. Maybe like a little bit of a career rebirth for him because a lot of people may have soured on Jamie Ben. Can he still play this type of style, being the power forward that he is? But he is having one of the best seasons he's had in recent memory. Yeah, I did not sour on him as the captain and the tough physical power forward that he is. Mm-hmm. I just thought that the mileage on his tires yeah. was such that there's no hard way miles. he's going to get back. Right, and and he plays a very physical style, and, and that adds up over the years. And look, Jamie will be the first guy that will never tell you what he's dealing with. We know that he's been playing over the course of his career with injuries. He doesn't miss a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It's actually remarkable. He played 1,000 games last month, yep. and he hasn't missed that much over the years. I guarantee you he's been playing less than 100% in many games, but he will never talk about it, which is – that's just his style. But this year has been a surprise. I, if I said, oh, yeah, I saw this coming, I'd be lying to you because it kind of looked like both Sagan and Ben were going to be problem spots in the lineup because they'd struggled to put the kind of numbers up that you need. Now, it really helps that the, on this team, they're not asked to play the top-line role. Mm-hmm. So they're a complementary piece. And to have them in your top nine but not on your, your first line – really makes a difference because you can get some better matchups, of course. And again, maybe a little bit of the pressure is off. Of course, with their lofty contracts, there's still a lot of talk about, can you get your, your value back for Mm -hmm. your money? But this year, Jamie has changed a few things with what he did with his training. I think he, he, he went a little bit lighter physically than he had been, but also it's the style of play, right? It's the, we're not asking you to hunker down and play a 2-1 game. Oh, yeah. We want you to get up and go. So, wait a minute. You, <laughs> I can leave the zone. I can go. You know, it's okay. Yeah. I love Rick Bonus. I think he's done a great job with Winnipeg. He's a, a phenomenal human being. Loved having him in Dallas. It's just a completely different style of play. And that's okay. I think Bones can, his style can work and be effective. We've seen it in Dallas and in Winnipeg. But Pete DeBoer's style was the seemingly the right mm-hmm. guy for the right time with the Stars. And for Jamie... And you know what else has really worked, Patrick, is the fact that he has really enjoyed playing with the rookie Wyatt Johnston. And those two, even from the beginning of the season, seem to have this chemistry. And it's it's brought some – you know how they say, you know, when your dog gets older, get a puppy? Yeah, so exactly. It sort of your older dog to – I think Wyatt Johnston is Jamie Benn's puppy in that <laughs> regard no. because it's brought some youthfulness back to his game. That's a great analogy. That's That's totally what I could see. And you could see that, like <laughs> – with a lot of the guys, and like the top line too, like Joe Pavelski. We know what Joe Pavelski is. The guy's a, a legend, just keeps getting better, like fine, aging like a fine wine. But those are his line mates. We've made it this far in the conversation. I haven't mentioned Jason Robertson yet. He's on his way to another 40-goal <laughs> year. Rupe Hintz is maybe one of the more quiet number one centers in the league. That top line, that's a dangerous unit. Yeah, and actually that was one of the problems last night in Edmonton was that they kept that line pretty much in check. Yeah. There was few quality chances from them, but not what we normally expect from them, which is driving the offense and scoring goals and creating problems. Now, if they get a goal on the, one of the power plays they had, I think they were over three last night, then it's a different story. But yeah, I thought the two top lines in Edmonton kind of canceled each other out in a sense, uh, except that McDavid scored on the power play. But the overarching story of the season for that top line, Ben of uh, Robertson, Hinton, Pavelski is, 
they are just relentless, right? They, you see the points, you see the, the goals. Hints has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Robertson is just ridiculous with his ability to, to score. And of course, as you said, Pavelski seems to only provide the same steadiness, which is at an extremely high level. But what's crazy is that these guys forecheck with, yeah. I, I want to say with, with reckless abandon, except for they're not reckless, right? So it's just, it's this relentless puck pressure in all three zones. And I think what's lost a lot of times in looking at their offense is really realizing how hard they play on the ice and, and they get the puck back a lot. And I think that's part of what leads to their opportunities and their offensive successes is that they, they just don't give up any ice. And usually they get retrievals in positions that then cause the opposing defense trouble. I would assume it'll be Michael Backlund's line. will be taking a lot of that heavy lifting of the top line. Cause that's, you know, Backlund being the best defensive Center, probably the best center for the Flames this year. I'd feel like he would be quite tasked to be dealing with those uh, three. Uh, we're talking with Owen Newkirk, uh, Dallas Stars radio host on 96.7 The Ticket. Uh, is it safe to say Miro Heiskanen's become probably one of the most dangerous offensive defensemen now in this league, destroying his previous career high of last year's 36 points? This guy's special. He, he really is, and we've known it for years that he's this good. The difference is, is that the last couple of seasons, I think there's been times where we have, as a as a broadcast group or, you know, the people watching in Dallas, wanting a little bit more offensively for Miro, not because he doesn't contain those skills, but he defers a lot. And I think one thing this year that has been really important is actually the, the loss of John Klingberg. Mm-hmm. And look, John Klingberg is an excellent offensive defenseman, but Miro is, is a really team-first kind of guy actually very similar to Jamie Benn in that regard, who Jamie will just do whatever it has to do to win. He doesn't, while he's having a great statistical year, he doesn't care about the points. He just wants his team to win. Miro's the same way. And because he will be deferential at times, and look, John Klingberg is an alpha offensive defenseman, right? He wants the puck. He wants to play. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's a very good player. But Miro has been the quarterback of the top power play unit this year, you know, stepping into that role with Klingberg leaving in free agency. And so that's actually been good in a sense to sort of force Miro to take those reins and lead the charge because he's got the capabilities. I remember I was talking to a former Dallas Stars player who happened to be in town a a couple months ago, and we were at the practice rink, and I was just talking to him, and he goes, he goes, you know Miro's good enough. He can take the puck and go coast to coast every single play. He just does it because that's the kind of guy he is. And I go, yeah, well, I'd like him to do it a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Well, lately he, he sort of starting to look like he can be that. I mean, again, we all know he's capable of playing like Eric Carlson or Kevin McCarr. Yeah. Two extremely high bars. But he's got that ability. It's just that what's really crazy is watching him be one of the few guys that can keep up with Connor McDavid and defend him mm-hmm. most of the time. Only four seasons removed from a trip to the Cup final. Maybe it was a surprise back then to some, but I think the bubble was a lot. It was a lot for a lot of teams. Uh, would it anyone would it surprise anyone in your mind that to see them representing the West again in the conference in the Cup final? No, but this is different than that time. I thought that uh, the bubble run, which was really fun, was a bit of a catch lightning in a bottle kind of moment. They got hot at the right time. Because let's face it, if you go back to the exhibition games they played in Edmonton and then even the round robin games, right, which were for seeding but obviously didn't count as far as getting eliminated, they didn't look very good. No. And 
I remember, oh God, it was a month or two ago. I was talking to Sagan after a morning skate and I was asking him about his injuries because he played through quite a bit, but he said, honestly, I didn't think we were going to be there that long. So I didn't think I would do that much extra damage to the, mm. the knee injuries that he was dealing with. And then they went and played for two months. And he, he actually told me that it did make his rehab and recovery from surgeries that he had after the playoffs longer because he did, he didn't do irreparable damage, but he, he exacerbated things. Well, I think the stars kind of were a little bit surprised and then just rode the wave this time around. They're a much more complete team. Now, if they can get healthy, right. If they get Sagan and Marshman back, I really like their chances. I think they can play with anybody because, you know, in those years, even in the year after the bubble where they played that COVID shortened 56 game season and, and was confined to this weird sort of Eastern central or sort of a Southeastern and central division, they were trying to hang in there. Boy, can we get great goaltending, sneak one on the power play, and hang around with the likes of Tampa Bay? Yeah. This year, in playing teams like Tampa or Boston or Vegas, or, you know, any of the teams that you would consider the top teams in the league, Carolina, it's going blow for blow. It's, it's literally being able to match that. They're, yeah. they're capable of that. In the past, it was always, boy, can we just survive these teams? And now they got the goaltender that could probably do it for them as well, and Jake Ottinger. Owen, uh, thank you for this. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night, and uh, maybe, who knows, maybe it's Flames Stars again in the postseason. Well, you guys did the Stars a solid with a big win in Vegas, so yeah. that was a plus as they try to chase the top spot in the conference. But it would be fascinating to see the Flames and Stars in yet another playoff Oof. series. We've had, what, two in the last three years? So yeah. uh, why not three and four? The difference is, is that Calgary's had their number so far with two wins in Dallas, so maybe it's time for payback. Yeah, who knows? I mean, and Jacob Markstrom's kind of figured it out here, so who knows? I mean, there's still a lot of heavy lifting to do for the Flames, but, uh, yeah, it should be a fascinating final three weeks of the regular season here, Owen. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll do this again soon, buddy. Thank you, Patrick. Appreciate the time. There you go. That's Owen Newkirk, the Dallas Stars radio host for uh, 96.7 The Ticket. Yeah, should be a fun one tomorrow night. Stars and Flames tomorrow night from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Excuse me. Uh, Our coverage starts at 7 o'clock with the Flames warm-up hosted by the one and only Pat Steinberg. Puck drop a little bit after 8 with Derek and Lubo right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I think if you're sleeping on the Stars, you might be trouble, man. This is a good-looking group. I know they've lost two in a row here to Vancouver and Edmonton, but uh, they check all the boxes for me, I think. Uh, they got to be a true contender. They got a number one netminder. Uh, they got a dominant top line, and they really got a top pair defenseman, all the things you need to win the Cup. And they got depth, and once Sagan and Marchman get back, look out. Uh, of course, Owen joined us down the uh, Atlas Pizza Sports Bar guest hotline using that same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403 248 44. Around the corner, we'll replay our in-studio conversation with our goaltending guru and former Calgary Flame, Brent Cron. That's next as the big show continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.